Yo, what's happening? It's your man, the Guru here from Guru Speaks Podcast. And you're not checking out Sports Way with my dog, Dre Day. Get with it and get ran over. Biatch. It's episode time, motherfuckers. What up, what up, what up? This is your man, Dre Day, and you are tuned in to a brand new episode with Sports Way with Dre Day Podcast. This is episode number 42. Number 42. That's a huge, that's a big, that's a monumental, that's a legendary number in sports. Number 42. Shout out to Mr. Jackie Robinson. Shout out to Mariano Rivera. Mainly Jackie Robinson, but Mariano was the last player in baseball to ever wear that number. Um, Of course, from the late, great Jackie Robinson and the stance that he took and becoming the first uh, African-American to play in the majors, the first publicized black African-American player to play in the majors. So shout out to you, Mr. Jackie Robinson, uh, continue resting well and baseball is doing you proud. And some of the brothers that are in the league that are, that, that are in the league, some of the brothers that are in the league, they're doing you proud. Uh, having said all of that, this episode here, um, we just gonna, you know, keep it, you know, with basketball, we're gonna keep it in basketball realms, uh, the playoffs are still going, um, the Eastern Conference semifinals is set in stone already, um, the top four teams, they've made it, um, the Celtics will go up against the Bucks, and the 76ers will go up against the Raptors, I'm going to basically speak on both of those games, but there's still some first round action that's still going on that I'm going to speak on. And I'm also going to speak on Russell Westbrook. Um, I've tried to give him the benefit of doubt um, this season, um, but I have to have a talk with him. I have to have a conversation with him. And I also need to speak about what I think um, the OKC Thunder need to do before they can even think of, let alone making, getting out, getting out the first, getting to the NBA Finals or whatever. Now it's more about what can they do to get the hell out the first round because for three straight years they've been bumped in the first round. I'm gonna speak on that as well. But first, you know, I'm gonna keep diving into some of the series that's been going on in the playoffs so far. Um. This Warriors-Clippers um, series, very interesting. Um, for the most part, I did say that the Warriors would win four games to one. Obviously, I was wrong. Um, the Warriors are now up 3-2. The Warriors are there. there it, it seems the Warriors are having a problem with being up three games to one. It's, it's a, they're having a problem with closing the series out. But I will say this. They should be very concerned. They should be very concerned. Uh, The Clippers are not scared. They are not budging. And they basically showed that within the first game of the series. Um, Patrick Beverly, we already saw what he did. We saw what he's done with Kevin Durant the first two games. You know, making him uncomfortable and shit like that. I, I said that in one of my previous episodes. But this Clippers team is rugged. They got a bunch of Rough Riders on that team. Uh, Jermichael Green, um, Martrez Harrell, 
He's averaging 25 points a game in three games in Oracle. He's averaging 20 for the whole series. Patrick Beverly, he's a junkyard dog. He had 14 points. He had 14 rebounds in game five, along with 17 points, which the Clippers took, by the way. The Warriors had the chance to close this series out in game five. Unfortunately, they couldn't. Uh, Lou Williams. He's averaging 31 points a game and 10 dime, 10 assists in three games in Oracle. He's averaging, well, he scored 33 points and 10 assists in game five alone. I'll just say this much. If the Warriors, well, not even, not even the Warriors, if the Clippers really want to make this shit interesting, they would do damage in game six and force a game seven because Lou Williams and Harrell are having their best games when they are in Oracle. And I know this much, and I'll say this much. If the Warriors do not close out the Clippers in game six, which is going down to, which is going down on tomorrow, they are in big trouble. They are in big, deep trouble. I'll say this much for the Warriors. Kevin Durant is balling lights out. Ever since ever since game two, where, you know, the whole talk of Patrick Beverly getting in his head and all this, that, and the third, he's averaging 39 points a game since game two. He had 45 points in game five. Steph and Clay, they're both doing their thing. The bench for the Warriors is not being, Looney is not being productive. Andrew Bogan, even though he's in the starting lineup, he's not really producing. Um, Quinn Cook didn't even play. Sean Livingston is not doing much. Draymond, what the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? You're averaging 11 points a game, six rebounds, seven assists, and you talking about you want a max contract? You think you a max player? Negro, please, get the fuck out of here. You ain't no max player with these type numbers. I mean, you're the emotional leader. You get the crowd wild up. You did all that last night. You did all that last night. But what did you do on the court? You're not making threes. You're missing free throws. Come on now. All the shit that you talk, and this is how you play? I tell you one thing. Game six, you're going to have to step up. You're going to have to really do, you're really going to have to dig deep and put up some, put up some better numbers than what you're putting up now. We know KD going to put up his numbers. Steph's going to put up his numbers. Clay's going to put up his numbers. You're supposed to be that other star on the team so that, that, that people say. You need to step up. Point blank, period, end of story. Um, Danilo Gennari, he's playing good. I forgot about him. Um, he's averaging 18 points a game. His field goal percentage is horrible, though. He's shooting 32% from the field. Um... His three-point percentage, for someone who likes to shoot threes, he's shooting 28% behind that three-point line. Horrible. Just pathetic. You know, but he's averaging 18 points a game. He's doing what he has to do to help, you know, you know, to help the Clippers. But I'll say this much. They're division rivals. With division rivals, you never know how it can go. You may say it goes one way and it winds up going another way. And that's exactly what's happening with this series. Some people said it would be a sweep. Again, I said it would go in five. Right now, game six is tomorrow. That crowd in Staples Center, 
tomorrow is going to be electric. It's going to be electric. But I will say this, though. If anything, maybe the Warriors want to close it in, in, in Staples. Maybe they want to shut the fans up. They won game three and they won game four there. So who's to say what what makes us think, what makes us not believe that they can go to our, that they can go to Staples and close and close out the Clippers there. It's very interesting to see how this series is played out. If anybody had this series going six games, they're lying. They're lying out their ass. I knew I, I knew that it wouldn't be easy. I just thought the Warriors would somehow do what they have to do to win this series in quick fashion, whether whether it was a sweep or a gentleman's sweep. And right now, the Clippers are making it very interesting. They're actually doing the Rockets a favor right now if the Warriors was to somehow succeed and finish this series because Houston is already done with their series. They already took out Utah. They won that in five. So now Houston could just rest and wait to see who wins this series. Now, obviously, we all still have the Warriors winning this series. But if the Clippers can somehow push this to seven and still lose this series, that does Houston a lot of favors because that gives them all the time in the world to rest until they play the Golden State Warriors. But do I see the Clippers winning this series? No, I do not. Do I see them winning game six? No, I do not. I think that they've taken their pound of flesh already from the Warriors. They've made the series very interesting. Game one was somewhat close towards the end. Game two, obviously, the Warriors had a blowout. The Clippers came back and won. Game three, game four, somewhat landslide victories. Game five, the Clippers won. Now we go to game six again, which goes down tomorrow night in Staples. I think the Clippers have taken their pound of flesh from the Warriors. They've jammed them up. They showed that they can bleed. But I think that the Golden State Warriors is going to close this series out in six games. I think they're. I I I, I think that they're they're. T- I'm not going to say they're playing around because they're, they're not playing around. Because I just said the Clippers are not scared. They're not afraid, and they're not scared of the Warriors. You know, there have been teams that will go up against the Warriors and be petrified before the ball even gets tipped up. The Clippers have not shown that throughout this series. They have it. They got a bunch of Rough Riders, like I said. They got a bunch of junkyard dogs on that team, and I say that in the most sincere way possible. You know, when you, when you call somebody a dog... People automatically assume that's a bad term. No, not a bad term at all. Not a bad term at all. Um, we got we got to give the Clippers respect. They have a promising future. Um, they can land some key free agents this offseason. And just think about it. With the season that they've had, the fact that some people want them to tank to protect their future draft pick, they said, nah. We trying to make it to the playoffs. They did that. You see how that other team in L.A., how things is unraveling with them. Who's to say that all these top free agents that's going to be available this offseason, who's to say that none of them wants to go to the Clippers as opposed to going to play for the Lakers? But only time would tell. We got to give the Clippers their respect. 
whether they win this series or lose this series, we got to give them their props. We got to get them their respect. But having said all of that, I'm going to say it again. They've taken their pound of flesh from the Warriors. They've given their pound of flesh to the Warriors. But I think it all comes to an end Friday, game six. And I truly think the Warriors will end this series in six games. Now, the next series that's still going around, that's still floating around in the playoffs right now is the Denver Nuggets and the San Antonio Spurs. Now, that series, I had the Spurs winning that in six games. Obviously, I was wrong on this one because the Nuggets are up 3-2. And in order for San Antonio to win this series, they are going to have to win tonight. And then they would have to win, well, when this episode drops, it'll be Thursday night. But, you know, you get what I'm saying. They will have to win game six and they would have to force a game seven, which I believe is on either Saturday or Sunday. I don't know the exact day, but like this, this series didn't go the way I planned it. Um, but let's just give the Nuggets some credit. Um, they were the second, they're the second seed in the West, and for a lot of people, when the playoffs started and you looked at the brackets. The team that you looked at and said, well, maybe this top team might be the team to get upset. Voila, it's Denver. Because, again, I don't think nobody expected Golden State to lose to the Clippers in the series. The series is still going, but I don't think nobody expected the Warriors to lose that series. Then you go to the East. I'm quite sure nobody thought the Bucks would lose to Detroit. I'm quite sure nobody thought Toronto would lose to Orlando. When you think of San Antonio, Denver, that was the playoff bracket. That was the matchup right there where you can say, well, maybe that might be the upset one right there. Because Denver lacks experience. San Antonio has all the experience with Coach Pop, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan. But I'll say this, though. The Denver Nuggets, this series could have been old. This series could very much be three games to two for San Antonio. There was two games where they had big leads and they blew them. Two games where they've had big leads and they've blown them. And that was game two. And then it was game four on their home floor. So this series could easily be 3-2 San Antonio. But the Nuggets, I think they've saved their season when they chose to put Torrey Craig in the starting lineup. It's just more it's just that he brings more energy out there to the starting lineup than Will Barton was. Now Barton is doing his thing coming off the bench. Don't get me wrong. You know, he scored 12 points in game four. He scored 17 in game five. So maybe maybe coming off the bench for him was probably the best thing. So that was a great, you know, depth chart adjustment that Mike Malone pulled off for the Denver Nuggets. Um, Jokic, he's playing phenomenal. He's almost averaging a triple-double in this series. He's averaging 20 points a game, 12 rebounds, 9 assists. Jamal Murray, he's averaging 18 points in the series. Um, Gary Harris, he's impressive as well. He's basically the silent, the silent player on the team. You know, he's putting up his numbers, but it doesn't, it, it's not being talked about. 
You know, all the attention goes to Jokic, which rightfully so. You know, he was somewhat an MVP candidate this season. Um, Jamal Murray, all the hype was around him as well. So Gary Harris was not being really spoken about as much. Paul Millsap, he's having a decent series, averaging 12 points a game. He doesn't have that many rebounds, though. But I'll say this, though, as it pertains to the Spurs. Well, when it comes to LaMarcus Aldridge, his postseason chokes are coming alive again. Now, he has a history of not showing up in the playoffs. Against OKC a few years ago, didn't show up. I believe it was 2016. First two games, scored almost 50 points. Game three, four, five, and six, he was nowhere to be found. Then we get to 2017. Conference finals against the Warriors. When Kawhi Leonard gets hurt, nowhere to be found. Kawhi Leonard got hurt, was out for the rest of the series. That was your time right there to show. Why San Antonio gave you this money? Why they look to you as the go-to guy now that Kawhi's hurt? You didn't answer the call. Then we fast forward to last year. They get swept by the Warriors. Now, obviously, I'm quite sure nobody expected the Warriors, I mean the Spurs, to win the series anyway. But still, you're still supposed to show some action. You're still supposed to go out there and perform. And you didn't do that. And now we fast forward to this year. Now, you look at the numbers... Nah, 20 points a game, 9 rebounds. Nah, that's impressive. Not with the money that they're giving you. Your points got to go up. Your rebounds got to go up. You're only shooting 78% from the free throw line. That definitely got to go up. DeMar DeRozan, where you at? 22 points a game. Looks good, but in crunch time, where's that action at? Where's the smoke at? Instead of you throwing the ball at a referee and getting ejected in game four, where's the scoring at in the fourth quarter? When it's crunch time. You, you got some post, you got some postseason chokes as well. Do I need it? Do, do I need to speak about what you've done in Toronto? Well, let me change that. What you haven't done in San Antonio in, in, in Toronto? And now you come to play for San Antonio. You're playing with the great Popovich, who I think, in my eyes, is the greatest head coach in NBA history. Now, some may say Phil, because of the 11 rings, miss me with that shit. I'm going with Pop as the GOAT. And we can have that discussion for another time. I'll be glad to debate with anybody on that one. I'll be glad for anyone to come on this show and be a guest, and we can go back and forth on who we think is the greatest coach in NBA history. Derek White. He was supposed to be coming of age. Shout out to Memphis Bleak, rock boy, Rockefeller for life. Um, He was supposed to be coming of age. He's averaging 18 points a game. Cool. Great defender. He's going to have to step up in game six. You're at home. You're going to have the crowd on your side. You're going to have to do something about Jamal Murray. You're going to have to get him off his spots. You cannot, let, you cannot let that boy shoot threes. You cannot let him get comfortable because once he starts making them, ain't no stopping him. Ain't no stopping him at all. However, 67% from the free throw line, 
30% from the three th- from the, from the three-point line. Come on, Derek Wright, you got to get it together. Your name is Derek. Come on now. Do I need to say any more? Do I need to say any more? You're going to have to step it up. You know what I'm saying? You definitely going to have to step it up. Forbes, Patty Mills, Ballinari, Bartons. Y'all going to have to step up. Y'all going to have to make y'all threes. Y'all going to have to make y'all threes tonight. Y'all going to have to make them. The Nuggets have outscored the Spurs by 44 points in the last seven quarters of these playoffs. The momentum is on the Nuggets' side. They blew San Antonio out in Game 5 in Denver. So all the momentum is on their side to close this series. I don't think it will happen, though. Because I just think for a young team to go into an environment like San Antonio and try to close out a veteran team, I just don't see it happening. You know, this is where experience comes into play and I truly don't think the Nuggets have that experience to close out this series not just yet so having said all that I believe the San Antonio Spurs will win game six and then game seven which will be in Denver in the Mount High City anything is possible anything is possible as it pertains to that but you know just off those you know just off those things right there you know I just I just don't believe that the Nuggets can go in San Antonio and win, I mean, just to close out the series. Yes, they've won a game there. They won game four there. But to go there and close out a veteran team, I think we're asking too much of them. But they're up 3-2. It comes with the territory. Do you want to end it in six, or do you want to win it on your home floor? And that's what we're going to find out as it pertains to the Denver Broncos, I mean Denver Broncos, the Denver Nuggets, and the San Antonio Spurs. Now, some of the other series that went on that are over, um, the Bucks, they swept the Clippers. I think we all expected that. Like I said earlier, the Houston Rockets, they took out the Utah Jazz in five. I think we all expected that. Toronto took out Orlando. They won that in five. Sorry to my man Guru. That's out in the 813. I know he's an Orlando Magic fan, but I tried to warn him that his boys wasn't gonna win. I think that was an emo- I think I think he was talking with his heart on that one. So sorry to my man Guru. In fact, shout out to my man Guru and his and his podcast as well. Google Speaks Podcast. Had to plug you in there, homie. Um, but yeah, so those are pretty much the series that's going on or was going on in the first round. That's pretty much done. Extant stone. Um, there's only two series left in the first round and that is the Nuggets and the Spurs and the Clippers and the Warriors. Philly took out the Nets in four games so pretty much the first round is pretty much complete. It's just two series left. So right now, that's a wrap up for the first round. We're going to go pay some bills. We're going to take a quick little break. And when your boy come back, I'm going to speak on the two matchups so far. That's Exton Stone in the second round. And that's the semifinals of the Eastern Conference. Holla at your boy. 
What up, what up, what up? I'm back. Uh, this segment here, we basically, well, I'm basically gonna, you know, speak on the two semifinals matchups in the Eastern Conference that are pretty much official tissue. Um, these were the four teams that I'm quite sure everybody expected and was definitely hoping be the final four in the Eastern Conference. Um, and that would be Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, and Philly. No particular order, but, you know, as long as these four teams be the teams that make it in the Final Four and the Eastern Conference semifinals, then the playoffs will be, you know, off on the right track. And it is. It's come to fruition. All four of those teams are in the conference, fi- I mean, the semifinals, and... I'm going to speak on both matchups and then on who I think, you know, is going to win each one of those matchups. The first matchup is um, the Toronto Raptors and the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, the Raptors, they won the season series three games to one. Um, this is the first time that these two will meet in the playoffs again. The last time they met was in 2001 and, you know, AI was there, Vince Carter was there, you know what I'm saying? You know, you know when Vince Carter, you know, went to graduate and then flew on a jet to make it to the Philly game. Um in game 7 it caused a lot of controversy. Um but that's neither here nor there, but for this series here, um I'm interested with this series. Um Obviously, Philly, you know, they had they, they had their gentlemen sweep with the Brooklyn Nets. I was kind of hoping that the Nets would pull off an upset, even though I had Philly winning the series. But again, as a Brooklyn native, I was kind of hoping they'll pull an upset. Unfortunately, unfortunately, that didn't happen. But the Sixers, congrats on that series win against the Nets. And the reason why I say congrats is because Toronto ain't nothing like the Nets. I can tell you that much. Um, The Raptors got some veterans on that team. And for this round here, that's, you know, that's probably going to be the one thing that's going to be a problem for the Philadelphia 76ers this series is they're going up against some players with some experience, postseason experience. See, See, they didn't have that problem with the Nets. Now they got that with the Raptors. But that guy, Kawhi Leonard, show enough. Uh, the claw, as they say. Um, so, basically, in four games this series, and basically, he's averaging 30 points a game, eight rebounds, and four steals against Philly this season. So, in four games, 30 points a game, eight boards, Four steals against Philly. Remember, they picked up Marcus Gasol before the trading deadline. They picked him up. So, he brings that experience as well. Now, do I expect Marcus Gasol to, to stop Joel Embiid? Absolutely not. Slow him down somewhat? Who knows? Who knows? Maybe the maybe the injury to Joel Embiid, maybe that's gonna slow him down. Because, see, with the series with the Nets, I felt like he didn't need to be 
at full strength to take out Brooklyn. He didn't. You know, you was going up against Jared Allen. Now, he's a formidable def- he's a he's a he's a formidable defender. But he's made a sack in bones. I didn't really expect him to really do damage to Joel to to Joel Embiid in the paint. But see, here's the thing with the Raptors. You got Kawhi Leonard, who's going to be defending you sometimes, especially when you out on the perimeter. You got Serge Ibaka there. You got Marcus Gasol there. You got you some real good defenders. You know what I'm saying? From the Toronto Raptors. So let's see how that plays out with the Philadelphia 76ers. Joel Embiid, he's averaging 26, a point, 26 points a game and 12 boards against the Raptors this series. I mean, this season. Ben Simmons, 16-9-9 against Toronto. I'm quite sure they're going to be switching up when it comes to Ben Simmons because I know Kyle Lowry ain't going to be defending him. I'm sure Kyle Lowry is going to be, you know, trying to get through these screens on J.J. Redick. Now, as far as who's going to be guarding Ben Simmons, I'm quite sure Kawhi Lennon and Danny Green is going to be, you know, switching back and forth on Ben Simmons. We already know he can't shoot a lick. We know that already. So if they can somehow keep him from the lane, which will be difficult, then this will be a cakewalk for the Toronto Raptors. Um, Both of these teams is top 10 and three-point percentage and top three and three-point defense. The Raptors, they have the edge as it pertains to the bench. You know what I'm saying? And they have more two-way players. I mean, Pascal Siakam, hopefully I'm saying his name right. He's a most improved, he's a most improved player candidate. Um, he's averaging 22 and 9 so far in the postseason. Even though he's not a bench player, he come he's in the starting lineup. You know what I'm saying? I, I I believe, you know, he's in the front court with Kawhi Leonard. Sergi Baca, he comes off the bench. Danny Green. I'm not sure if he comes off the bench or he starts. I believe he starts. But again, he's more out there for draining three-pointers, and playing defense. That's the one thing that's very underrated about Danny Green is his defense. We all know him for his three-point shooting, but he's a hell of a defender in his own right. Um, Jimmy Butler, J.J. Redick, they're going to have to have a good series this go-round. Um, they had okay series with the Brooklyn Nets. Jimmy Butler... Got ejected in game four from having a scuffle with Jared Dudley. I believe he had a somewhat quiet series against the Brooklyn Nets. Philly is not going to need that from him in this series. They're going to need him to be explosive. They're going to need him to put up some numbers. And him and J.J. Redick, in the regular season, they averaged a combined 42 points a game against the Toronto Raptors. So I truly believe they're going to have to step it up a notch in order for Philly to make this an interesting series. So having said all of that, if I had to go with who do I think will win the series, I'm going to go with the Toronto Raptors to win this series. I got them winning, I would say, in six games. Um, 
This is not going to be the series against Orlando. Um, do I think Philly can go to Toronto and steal home court like Orlando did? I do. Do I think they will? I don't, but, you know, only time will tell. That series will start, I believe, sometime next week. So we'll find out then. But, you know, I just truly, I just truly believe that the Toronto Raptors, they're more experienced. And I believe they have more, mm, not going to say star power, because obviously the star power is just Kawhi in Toronto. The star power in Philly is Embiid and Simmons. But just putting both teams together on which team I believe has the most to work with, I would have to say Toronto. So I have Toronto winning this series four games to two, and Toronto will finally, finally make that trip to the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, who do I have them going up against? Speaking of that, the next matchup that's in the Eastern Conference Semifinals is... The number one seed, Boston Celtics. I mean, not Boston Celtics, Milwaukee Bucks. Sorry about that. The number one seed is the Milwaukee Bucks. And the fourth seed, um, Boston Celtics, who took out the Indiana Pacers. And basically, they swept them in the first round. Um, the Bucks, they've, they won the season series two games to one. Um, Greek Freak, what do I need to say about him? Um... He's averaging 26, 26 points a game, 12 boys in the playoffs. He's playing below 30 minutes. With the series that you was just going up against with the, with the Pistons, you didn't really need to play that much. I'm quite sure the minutes is going to skyrocket this series against the Boston Celtics because he's definitely going to need it. Um, he averaged 31 and 11 against the Celtics in the regular season. Um... Bledsoe and Middleton, they're both averaging 19 points a game in the playoffs. Brooke Lopez, he's playing amazing. I'm quite sure the Lakers wish they would have had him as opposed to not bringing him back. Um, averaging 12 points a game. He could space the floor. I would wish he would stop trying to shoot all these goddamn threes, but that's just the nature of the game now. All these big men want to shoot threes. I don't understand. How are you seven feet tall and you're only averaging five, six rebounds a game? That's some Roy Hibbert type shit, if you ask me, as it became to Brooke Lopez. But, hey, it is what it is. I'm not here to judge you. You're in the league. You're still in the playoffs. You're doing your thing. So I guess we can somewhat be happy for you. Um, But he is averaging four blocks a game. So... He's basically being that rim protector. So I guess his height does come in use, you know, when it needs to. And that's when, when and that's when it pertains to protecting the rim. George Hill, they don't need him for scoring, but they do need him from defense. Um, Nicola Meritage had a decent series against the Pistons. But again, that was against the Pistons. I honestly think that they didn't really care for the series that much. They pretty much knew that they probably was going to sweep them, so they wasn't really awake for that series. But I know one thing. This series right here, they're going to need to be up for this. 
because you're going up against Uncle Drew. And you know what I'm saying? You're going up against Jason Tatum and them boys. So the Celtics, what can I say? They swept Indiana. That was a cakewalk for them. This part right here, this series here, is where the playoffs begin. See, with Indiana, they caught a break. Victor Depot wasn't there, so the heart and soul of the Pacers wasn't there. The heart and soul of the Milwaukee Bucks is there, and that's Greek Freak. There's no answer for him. We know that already. So what you want to do is you want to stop them other guys. You want to stop Bledsoe. You want to stop Middleton. You want to stop them two. You don't want them to get off. There's no stopping Greek Freak. You know what I'm saying? Um, Kyrie Irving, 23-8 so far in the playoffs. Jason Tatum's averaging 19 points, shooting 53% from the tray. Gordon Hayward is somewhat um, stepping up a little bit in the playoffs. Maybe it was because it was against Indiana and he went back home, even though he, you know, because he played that, you know, the University of Butler. Maybe it was because he went home and he was in front of his home crowd somewhat that he played lights out. But only time would tell as this series, you know, as, as the series start. Now, how do you try to contain Greek Freak? Because it's not going to be easy. Al Horford is going to have his, he's going to have his work cut out for him. Marcus Morris is going to have to help out. Aaron Baines is going to have to help Horford out. Hell, the whole team will have to help them out. It's going to have to help him out to stop Greek Freak. Um, Jalen Brown. Let's see what he does. And let's see, let's see what he does in this series. Um, unfortunately for both teams, they're both missing. I'm not going to say key pieces, but they're missing some decent pieces. Um, Boston, they're missing Marcus Smart. I believe he's out. I don't know if he's out for the rest of the playoffs if they can somehow get to the finals, but he's definitely out for the first round and he's definitely out for the second round. Um, Brogdon from the Bucks. He's hurt as well. Um, I know Bledsoe is going to want some get back from Terry Rozier. You know, last year, you know, um, he basically showed out. He basically showed out on Bledsoe last year in the playoffs. So I'm quite sure Bledsoe is going to want some get back. But that's only if Rozier even gets in the game because he's not really playing that much, you know, in the playoffs so far. So it's very, it's going to be very interesting to see um, how Brad Stevens, you know, manages his rotation this series. Because, again, he's going to need all the pieces. He's going to need all the weapons he can get against Milwaukee. Having said all that, I have to pick a winner. And I just truly believe that being that there's no answer for Greek Freak, Again, there's no answer for this guy. Like, there's truly no answer for this dude. I wish I knew the answers, but I don't. I'm sorry. I don't. Having said all that, I have the Bucks winning. Um, I can see this probably going six, seven games. I don't know the exact I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's exactly six or seven, but I I, I could see this going six or seven games. 
Um, I just believe that the Milwaukee Bucks have been impressive throughout this whole season. You know, they've been in first place pretty much from the beginning of the season to the end. They was either tied for first place or they were in first place. Um, they might have had their little time here and there in second place, and Toronto was in first. But for the most part, they've been in first throughout the whole season. And I think that ride continues, and I believe that the Toronto Raptors and the Milwaukee Bucks will meet in the Eastern Conference Finals. So you heard it here first. For this segment, I went over both games in the Eastern Conference Semifinals. I have the Raptors taking out the Sixers in six games. And in the other matchup, I have the Milwaukee Bucks taking out the Boston Celtics in six or seven games. And it's tough for me to say that because I like Kyrie. I love Uncle Drew. I truly do. You know, he didn't really have bad things to say about his teammates this series because it was so easy. It was so easy to go up against Indiana. So he didn't really have to throw anybody under the bus. Let's see what happens with this series. Is that old Kyrie going to come back? Is he going to throw teammates under the bus after a loss? Or if they wind up having consecutive losses, is he going to talk? Is he going to take and put teammates under the bus? Only time will tell. Only time will tell. But having said all of that, this is a wrap for this segment. When I come back for paying more bills, Russell Westbrook, got to have a talk with you, my man. I got to have a talk with you. So you don't want to miss that. You want to tune in for that. So, like I said, got to pay some more bills. I'll be right back in the jippy. Speak less. That's, that, that's Steve Urkel talk, you know what I'm saying, from Family Matters back in the day. I'm quite sure the people that listen to this podcast is about my age. So you got to know who Steve Urkel is. If you don't, go to hell. Too bad for you. So, again, going to pay some bills. I'll be back. Holla at your boy. What up, what up, what up? I'm back. Uh, This final segment here, I'm going to have to speak on my guy. One of my favorite players in the league. Um, Russell Westbrook. Got to have a talk with you, my man. Got to have a talk with you. Uh, It's not going to be easy for me to do this, but I think it needs to be done. And what better person to do it than myself so here we go let's dive in Russell Westbrook we love you as an NBA player we do us fans we love you we love you very much we love your passion we love your desire for the game we love your competitive fire we love it these triple doubles they may have to come to an end but first, I got to commend you, though. Three straight seasons, you've averaged a triple-double. No other player can say that. Now, obviously, you know, the big old Oscar Robinson, he was the only player in NBA history to average a whole season with a triple-double. You broke that in, 20, in 2016. Once Kevin Durant made the decision... To go to Golden State. I know for a fact. 
I know I told people, oh, Westbrook going ham this season. He ain't got nobody else to throw the ball to. Oh, he going to have an historic season. I didn't think it would be triple-double historic, but nonetheless, you did that. You even won MVP. Your team, I believe, was the sixth seed. And you wound up winning MVP. Kudos to you. You deserve it. Unfortunately, first round exit. I believe you lost to Houston in five games. First round. 2017, you averaged a triple-double again. Well, no. Actually, no, it's 2017, 2018, 2019. I'm bugging. Sorry, y'all. I'm, 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 I'm bugging right now. I'm tripping. I got, I got, I got the years mixed up. 2017, he averaged a triple-double, one MVP. 2018, bam. Last season, he averaged a triple-double again. But you had a first-round exit. This time, you had help. You had Paul George. Well, he caught himself playoff P. There was no playoff action for him. He ain't really produced that much. And you had Carmelo Anthony. You get bumped in the first round by the Utah Jazz. You didn't lose in five, but you lost in six. But still, first round exit. Now we get to this season. You average another triple-double. And again, history repeats itself for the third straight year. You average the triple-double. You get bounced in the first round. Voila. Bounced in the first round. I'll say this much, though. Off you for a second. Damian Lillard, got to give you your props. Got to give you your respect. You have been overlooked for quite some time in the Western Conference. I'm not even going to say NBA because NBA, we respect you, no doubt. But as far as the Western Conference, I felt like you wasn't getting your respect because of the aspect of your position and the point guards in that conference. Steph Curry, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, so you was always looked at as probably that, f- that that fourth point guard in that conference. You and Mike Conley, both of y'all overlooked. But again, look at the conference that you're in. As a whole, you know, some would say Steph, Kyrie, Chris Paul, Westbrook. All those names would be thrown around before you. You balled out this series. You made a statement this series. That game, that, 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 that game five, shit, damn. That dagger that you did on Paul George, 37 feet, just drained that three. I knew it was going in. I knew, I knew it was going in. As you slowly dribbled that ball across half court, sizing it up, I knew it was going in. Once it felt, once it, once it went out your hand, I knew it was going in. So I got to give you props. You a bad boy. You a bad motherfucker. And you let it be known that you are a top point guard in this league. I'll even say it. Right now, you better than Westbrook. Now back to you, Westbrook. 
I think the problem with you is it's being it's it's being somewhat proven that you're uncoachable. It's crystal clear that you don't get along with Billy Donovan. It's clear that you don't respect him as a head coach. There have been times that he's tried to take you out of the game. You'll brush him off and you'll stay in the game. Let me just say this to you, Westbrook. Even though the triple-doubles are beautiful, they're a wonderful thing. That's a hard thing to do, average a triple-double for a whole season. That is a very tough thing to do. But let's just look at your let's just look at your wins and losses since Kevin Durant has left you. You're four and twelve in, in the playoffs since KD left. Four. You only got four you only got four wins. You have 12 defeats. You have not one road win in the playoffs. You're 0 for 9 on the road. 0 for 9. In game five, against the Nuggets, again, not even against the Nuggets, against the Blazers, you shot 11 from 31 from the field. Four for 11 by the three-point line. Let me just say this, and let me get straight to the fucking point. This is what I think needs to happen in OKC if they are going to be taken seriously and, 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 and not even say taken seriously, but be a serious threat in the Western Conference. This is the two things that need to happen. Number one, I just said it. His relationship with Billy Donovan. I believe Billy Donovan has to go as the head coach for the OKC Thunder. I think he should have been gone last season. That's just my personal opinion. I think he should have been gone last season. But for some reason, they gave him a chance. They brought him back this season. Three straight years. The message hasn't been clear. They're not answering to you. They're not really gelling with you. Maybe it's time for a new voice in that locker room. Now, who's the head coach? Who knows? Hell, give more recent cheeks a chance. He's been an assistant for OKC for Lord knows how long. He was, a, he was an assistant when Scott Brooks was there. And he's still the assistant coach. Why not give him a shot? Maybe it's a new voice that the OKC Thunder need to hear. Instead of yours. But here's the big thing that I think needs to change. And this is a big one. This is a, this, 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 this is a real big one here. Y'all ready to hear this? I mean, I don't know if Westbrook is going to be willing to do it. But maybe he should. Maybe Westbrook need to move to the two. Because I've been saying for the longest, he's not a point guard. He's a shooting guard masquerading as a point guard. He's pretending to be a point guard. See, for me, I look at it from this perspective. Okay, I get it. You got your triple doubles. Cool. Beautiful thing. But for me, you have to have a certain level of IQ to be a point guard. 
I don't think Westbrook fits that description of being a point guard. He demands the ball too much, obviously. He's taking up too many shots, obviously. That was the reason why Kevin Durant wanted to get out of there. And and, and my thing is, I don't want to sit here and defend Kevin Durant. I have my own issues with KD. My own issues with him. But that's the reason why he left OKC. He felt like he couldn't win with Westbrook and his style of playing. And the crazy thing is, I agree with him. When Durant was close to leaving OKC, I said, and I remember this conversation vividly, I had went out to eat with a friend of mine. I'll say her name. Shout out to Dawn. We went out to eat. We were sitting in the restaurant. And this was before KD made his announcement to go to Golden State. It was probably a few weeks before he made the announcement. I said, Russell Westbrook needs to move to the two guard. They need to get them a point guard. They need to get them a playmaker to take that ball out of Westbrook's hand. That's what I said. Now, the name that I threw out there was Mike Conley. Because at that time, I believe he was a free agent. So I figured, okay, cool. You get you a point guard. You throw him back there with Westbrook. You keep Durant. They still had Sergi Baca. Who knows? OKC could do some damage. What happened? They trade. They trade Ibaka. I believe the. I, I believe the Grizzlies. They give Mike Conley an extension, or they re-signed him. One of the two, and then bam. Then Durant makes the decision to leave OKC to go to Golden State, and now that leaves that leaves Westbrook all by his lonesome. And now he's averaging all these triple-doubles, which is a beautiful thing again. But that's the part where we tend to get blinded. Oh, he averaged a triple-double. Oh, he averaged a triple-double. Some people are viewing it as him stat-chasing. And I don't want to believe he's that type of player. But the evidence is there. All three years you've averaged a triple-double for the season, three first-round exits. His decision-making has been off the wall in these playoffs. His shot selections, his shot, his, his decision-making as it pertains to when to shoot have been crazy. Somebody got to speak up on it, and I'm the guy to speak up on it. Westbrook, you need to move to the two. You're not a point guard. You're masquerading as a point guard. You need to move to the shooting guard. Now, Let's say you do move to the two. What point guard out there is worth pairing you up with? Who? 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 For my WWE fans out there, y'all know where I get that chant from. That's my boys, The New Day. Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods, and Big E. Get well soon, Big E. If y'all watch WWE, then you know why I was doing that. I know just the guy that can help OKC. Rondo. Rondo assigned to the Lakers for one year. Last I checked, Lakers season is over. So that one year expired. Now, unless they choose to bring him back, which I highly doubt, 
why not bring Rondo to the fold to OKC? That's a that's a that's a ball dominant point guard that can take the ball off of Russell Westbrook's hand, and all Westbrook can do and focus on is scoring, getting some rebounds, a little bit of assists, leave the ball handling, leave the decision making to Rondo. Because Rondo is a hell of a point guard, contrary to what people believe. I know he may be a little knucklehead sometimes, but he's a hell of a point guard. Hell of a point guard. See, he's the definition of a point guard. Point guards are supposed to maximize the potential that's around them. Russell Westbrook doesn't do that. He doesn't make nobody on that OKC team better. I know poor George is probably regretting staying in OKC. I'm sure he's saying, damn, I should have went to L.A. Too late for that shit. But the contract they gave you, I guess it was too hard for you to, I guess it was too hard for you to not take that money. But again, this is just my opinion of the two things I think that needs to happen with the OKC Thunder and Westbrook. This shit with the media, the way you answer your questions to the media, come on now, stop it. Just answer questions. I get it, you got a problem with the dude from from Oklahoma, I get all of that. He's asking you legit questions. Just answer them. All that, oh, that's a good question. I don't know. How the fuck you don't know? You playing the game. You playing 43 minutes a game. You mean to tell me you don't know why you lost the game? You don't know why this person was hot? Come on now. You too grown for this shit. It's time to grow up, man. For real. Real talk. But again, this is why when it comes to all-star voting, you're never one of the top voters. You're never one of the top voters because of the way you carry yourself. I'm quite sure it ain't got nothing to do with your fashion. I'm, I'm sure it ain't got nothing to do with your fashion. But the way you carry yourself as it pertains to being interviewed, the way you are on the court. I mean, I, 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 I love your passion on the court. You don't shake hands with nobody. You, you want to go to war. I get all of that. I, like, I, I truly, I, I fuck with that shit. But the way you are towards the media whether it's in post-game interviews or being interviewed by your locker, that's why some people don't like you. You feel like, like, like you feeding into the negative vibes. I will say this, though. I do love the fact that you had a 2020 game and paid tribute to Nipsey. You know what I'm saying? I get all of that. RIP to Nipsey Hustle. You know what I'm saying? You paid homage to him. We get all of that. It was a beautiful thing. But come on, dog. You got to get it together, Westbrook. Because right now, your legacy is in question right now. You got a legacy, but it ain't a good one. It ain't a good one. So this is something that, you know, you're going to have to work on in the offseason. You're going to have to really do some soul searching this offseason. You know what I'm saying? And I just want to see you win. You know what I'm saying? I'm tired of, you know, I'm tired of hearing people calling you a stat chaser. And that's what it's looking like right now. Three straight years, triple doubles, three straight years, first round exits. They looking to you as a stat chaser. 
They looking to you as that, Russ. What you going to do about it? How you going to handle that? How you going to step up next season? Only time will tell. But that's it for this episode. I'm done speaking. I got things to do. I got some errands to run. You know what I'm saying? So, again, thank you to all the listeners. Thank you to all the supporters. Thank you to all the people who've subscribed to my podcast. Uh, Thank you. Can't thank you enough. Love y'all. Again, you can stream my po- you can stream my podcast on certain platforms, Apple Music, I mean Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, Breaker, Stitcher, uh Pocket Cast, Overcast, you know what I'm saying? Or you can also download that Anchor app to your mobile phone, hit favorite, get the notifications. All the other streaming platforms I just said, hit that subscribe button. You know what I'm saying? Become a fan. Become a supporter. You know what I'm saying? Support your boy. Um, young black man trying to, you know, live out his dream and, you know, just talk sports. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, again, till next time, this has been another episode Sports Where With Dre Day podcast. You can also, again, follow my social media pages, Instagram, Sportswear with Dre Day Podcast, or also my personal pod, my, my personal Instagram. I put I put my stuff on there as well. Dre Day1985. On Twitter, you got Dre Day1985. My podcast, my podcast account for Twitter, Dreway Podcast. And then on Facebook. My personal page, Dre Day, D-R-A-Y, space D-A-Y. So again, thank you. I love you. Uh, This episode, it's a wrap. Gotta go. Catch y'all another time. Peace and love. I'm out of here.